0: We know that in the book of Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 36, Jesus talks about in the Garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane, about doing God's will. And if you remember, he was praying and uh, he said, you know, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, you know, let that be so. However, not according to my will, but according to your will. So it's important that we are doing God's will. Let's go to Matthew 7, though. Matthew 7. Because we have to also realize in talking about the occasional churchgoer or someone who is is, kind of goes for the sake of going or going to church because they don't want people talking about them saying that they're not in church or whatever. Um, uh, You know, Jesus says, not everyone that calls me Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So, that's the important thing, you know. So many times we talk to people and we'll ask them, you know, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, sure, I know the Lord. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You're a born-again Christian? Yeah, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian, you know. And they say all of that so quickly. And they say all of the right words. But Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, okay. So, uh, Matthew 7, looking at verse 21. Okay. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, you that work iniquities. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, or does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, will be likened unto a foolish man, who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Okay? So Jesus is saying here is that it's not so much just because you call him Lord, Lord, that you're going to wind up being blessed. It's those of us who do actually do his word. Okay? And it says here in verse 24, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. You see? So we need to think about, are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we doing his will? Are we Following his words. Because if you are following his words and doing his will. It's like building your house upon a rock. Which means that you have a solid foundation in your life. Which means that if you have a solid foundation in your life. When difficult times come upon you. And difficult times will come upon you, especially if you're a child of God and you're following Jesus. seems like the world, especially today, is singling us out to see how they can, you know, do harm to us Christians or or discredit us Christians. So when a difficult time comes in your house, if your foundation is built on the rock, the rock of Jesus, then you will be able to, your house will be able to withstand, so to speak, which means that you will be able to succeed in life in whatever you're doing, you know. And I do see so many questions, Christians, and I oftentimes wonder, you know, <clears throat> and this isn't passing judgment because I never pass judgment. You know, I never, I never profess or try to claim that I know the heart of any believer, okay? But I just simply go by what I see happening in their lives. And when I see things happening in Christians' lives and they come and talk to me about it and so forth, and again, you know, I try and encourage them with the word of God and pray for them and everything, you know, but... When things start going wrong in your life If you cave, you know, and you fold up Like a cheap suit, as they say Then how much are you really doing God's word? You see? How much are you believing In God's word? Because if you're believing In God's word and you're doing God's will Then that foundation of your house is built On a rock, you see? So when the Winds of, 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 of uh, You know, adversity come against you And, and, and you, yeah, you may shake a little bit You may tremble a little bit, you know But your, your house is not going to fall You're not going to cave in, because your life is being Built on that solid rock of foundation of God See that's why Jesus said If you do my words you Do what I'm saying for you to do Just don't claim that you love the Lord But actually do what I'm telling you to do Then that means that you're building yourself You're building your house on a on solid foundation If you believe and call Jesus Lord You're still lost If you do not do what God wants you to do You must do the will of the Father As simple as that You know, Jesus had a In those last final hours He had a hard time going to the cross I mean, Jesus had been with God, his Father had been with God all of... Eternity he had always been with God. And now the, the, the prospect, the concept of his being being separated from God the Father, where he always knew God the Father was something that was really tearing him up. And hence, in the garden there, he was really wracked in tears. He said even uh, uh, sweat drops of blood. You know? so, but he said, however, not my will, but your will. God's will is the only way. Not the will of men, but God's will. Not our own will, but God's will. Just because we call Jesus our Lord, this will not just simply save us. Amen? Amen? Amen. You need to make sure you do it. You know, and, and the thing about wills not doing, doing man's will, so many times if you aren't careful, you'll wind up bending to the will of someone else, you know. God bless our families. We all love our families and things like that. But our families many times being well-intentioned will try and give us advice or try and coax us to go in some direction or make a decision, you know, because they care for us and they really genuinely do. But if they don't know the Lord and if they are not telling you what God is telling you, then they're leading you astray. So we've got to make sure that we're not just doing something to make a family member happy, to make a friend happy, to make someone at work happy or anyone else happy. We have to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do, and that we're in line with His will. Amen? And you'd be surprised on how much pressure uh, people that you know, man, um, uh, can put on you, even without you realizing it. You know, we get all sorts of input from so many people. You know, oh, you're planning on buying a house. Oh, you sure you want to buy that house over there? Oh, let me tell you what I heard, da-da-da-da-da. And coming with all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't buy that house. But in the meantime, if you know that you know that you know that you know deep in your spirit that this is what God is telling you to do do, okay, regardless of what man might be telling you about that house, about that neighborhood or whatever it might be, uh, you will do what God wants you to do, okay, because he knows something that you don't know, and he certainly knows something that man doesn't know, you know, and then more importantly too, you know, the person that is trying to give you so much advice, who's the author of that advice, amen? Amen. It could be Satan himself that's putting, putting a word in that person's ear Just to discourage you, just to change your direction To prevent you from doing what God wants you to do Amen. Amen. So that's why the word of God and prayer Speaking of the Holy Spirit is our only barometer for truth It's our only measurement of truth Because man, be it intentional or be it unintentional Because they really, really mean they're trying to do you good uh, Can lead you astray, amen So you need to make sure that we're only doing God's will You know, we learn from the above scripture that That we don't go to heaven by doing the will of men or by doing what we think is right. The only way is to do what God the Father tells us to do. Do we really know what the will of the Father is? This is too important a matter to assume that we do do, or to take someone else's word for it. Amen. Do we really know what the Bible says about doing God's will? And how do we remember God's words? Let's go to Deuteronomy. How do we, we remember God's words? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Okay. Now, this is where the preceding uh, verse, we're going to start at verse number 5. The preceding verses are where God is telling them about keeping the commandments and so on. And in verse number 5, it says, And thou shalt, well, um, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Okay? That's another thing here. You know, do we just have a casual love for God? You know? Do we just have a casual love for God? Where again, I say you're, you're an occasional church goer. Once in a while you think about picking up the Bible. You know? But do you really love the Lord? You know, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all thy might. Verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou thou liest down, and when thou risest up. All right, very important thing, especially in today's day and age, do we diligently teach our children about the Word of God? Okay? Do we diligently do it, you know? And it's great that we have children in in Christian schools and things like that, my grandchildren in Christian schools, but it goes even beyond that because we can't leave it to the schools to raise our children. God is telling here that we... As mothers and fathers should be teaching diligently the word of God to our children. Okay, he goes on to say that I shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk us by the way, when you lie down and when thou rise up. How many times do you have conversations with your children about the Lord? You know, is it only in church? Is it only right before church? Is it only after church? What about during the week? What about after school? What about at the dinner table? You know, what about when things come up in their lives? Especially a challenge comes up in their lives when something is going on that the child is having a hard time dealing with. How many times do we make reference to the Lord and to the word? How many times do we make reference to you know you know losing a race in school in the field meeting or something like in a field and track meet for a kid you know do you relate that to the word of God you know do you tell the Lord you know that you gave you ran a good race and so forth you tell the child you ran a good race you put all your into it God will honor you for that it's not always just about the winning how much do you relate it or do you relate to them about being humble about humility you know so every step of the way are we diligently talking to our children about the word of God not just on on a Sunday or right after church and everything. Even saying your grace. You know, how many of us here encourage our children to say grace? Around the table. And you've heard me say it a million times, in this day and age, you better bless your food. You don't know where it was prayed or you don't know where it was made. You don't know if it was dropped on the floor like I saw in a restaurant recently. And they dropped the food on the floor and they picked it right up and put it in the to-go bag. And it went right out. And haven't eaten in that restaurant since, you know. But you, you need to pray over your food. Praise God. Okay, it says, walk us by the way and life, down the when thou rises up. Verse number 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Okay? This is God telling us here, or telling Israel here, you need to always have my word within your reach. Where it says there in verse number 8, bind them for a sign upon thy hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Uh, in ancient Israel, and the Orthodox Jews still practice this today, there are, there are, are little leather boxes about so big, and you, maybe you've seen them. You can go on the Internet and you can do a search and you can find them. Um, they, they, they're, they're called phylacteries. One of them is a black leather box about so big, and it has um, long leather laces around it. And it's a very, very detailed way of wrapping it to your, to your hand. Okay? Each turn means something in between the things. It's very, very involved. Another thing in front of phylacteries, sits right here and again it has long leather, leather strings on it and it ties around the, the head and it sits right here okay and in those phylacteries they had scripture usually from the book of Isaiah it was in those scriptures okay on the doorpost uh, what they're talking about is, is a little little thing about so big it's called a mezuzah and you would go by if you go by an orthodox Jewish person's home you'll see on the doorpost this little metal thing usually put it uh, slanted like that and inside that is, is a scripture okay, okay. and that's supposed to to remind them of the word when they're going in and out of the house, amen, and keeping the frontlets, keeping the phylactery on the head and on the left hand, okay? So it all was very, very detailed. Now, we have Jesus, and we don't have to go to that left to remember the law and things like that. But where it says there, though, about having these things close to your heart and close to your mind and on your post going in, one little thing that I use that I find very, very, very helpful, and it kind of ties into this, is that when I come upon a scripture that particularly resonates with my spirit, something that may be going on in my life at that particular point of time, and there's a scripture that that resonates and answers that particular issue in my life, I will write it down on one of those great... Um, yellow post-its. Amen. Amen. The guy that invented those things, boy, bless him. All right? And I will put those little notes, those scriptures, or those thoughts, those revelations that I got from Holy Spirit, the places that I can see them, keeping it in front of my eyes, you know, and close to me. On the mirror, because you're going to look in the mirror when you're shaving and brushing your teeth in the morning and getting dressed, doing your hair, you see it on the mirror. Okay? Put it on the refrigerator. Okay? most of us... I won't say live in the refrigerator, but spend a lot of time in the refrigerator. Amen. Put them on the refrigerator. Put them by the door so that you see it on the way going to work, especially if it's something that you need to remember relative to your job or relative to a task. You see, so the concept of keeping the word in front of you, I still use today. And it becomes very, very, very helpful. You see, the whole idea is to be constantly bombarded with Scripture, constantly bombarded. The Lord knows we're bombarded by everything else on the news. Okay. You, you want to know what's the latest about Hillary? You know about it ladies about Donald, you know about it, you know I mean, you are constantly bombarded, you know when aircraft fell down in Egypt, you know you constantly know because it's in front of your face all the time, alright, we need to have the word of God in like fashion like fashion, okay, we've all got all sorts of um, smartphones these days and iPads and, and Android tablets and things like that put a reminder in your calendar that it automatically brings up scripture some of the Bible programs have, have reminders that put a, a verse of the day in front of you, okay, the whole idea is to keep the will of God in front of you. That's how you learn to do it and how you retain it. The other thing we have to remember is that we were made in God's image, but so many times we try to conform God to our image. We try to conform God to our ways, you know. We think that because we need something by June 30th and that it's got to be this big by this tall and this wide that we say right away, God, this is what we want, this is what I need, and I need it by June 30th. Well, God doesn't work that way, okay? We just got through saying, are we doing the will of of God. Okay. So, if there's something that you're praying for, something that you really need to materialize in your in your life, you need to say God in accordance with your will, knowing that it will be indeed in His time. Amen. That He will bring it. He, he's never late. He's ne- never late. Okay. Go to Matthew seven. Matthew verse. Matthew chapter seven. Praise the living God. Matthew seven. We have so many things that we want to do. We have. Rained, gee. We have so many things that we want to do in life, so many things we want to accomplish, but so many times we forget that God is the one that's in charge. Or God is the one that you should be permitting to be in charge in your life. Uh, Matthew 7, verse number 13. 7, 13, Enter in at the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be who go in that way because narrow is the gate and hard is the way which leads unto life and few there be that find it okay okay underline all of that I'll put a highlight for the, around those two paragraphs there uh, verses enter in at the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that go that way alright it's so easy to go down the wrong path it's so easy it's so easy to be tempted in to do something that non-believers or unbelievers do. It's so easy for you to, to do what your family members might want you to do, just to shut them up. <laughs> you know, it's so easy, it's so easy, it's so easy to go through that wide gate because it, it, it's so there, okay? But God says here, and this is Jesus, if you have a red letter of Bible, it's written in red, so he's speaking here. He says, and many there are that go in that way of destruction because the narrow gate is hard. Which leads into life, alright? I won't say that it's hard. To be a follower of Jesus or to do what God wants you to do, but it certainly does demand or command um, discipline in our lives. Okay, okay. I find being a Christian the most freest way of living a life because you really don't have anything to worry about if you really, 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 really trust and believe in God. All right, but it does demand some 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 um, discipline on your part. Okay, there are many people that would say, "I have and I have heard this countless times. Maybe you you have too. You, you know what?" Give up smoking, give up drinking, give up partying. Oh boy, what else is there to do? Oh man, you must really be boring. You must really be boring. You don't do this, you don't do that, you know. Not to the least, I have joy, joy uh, unimaginable. You know, especially when the time, when there are difficult times in my life, that's where I have the joy. Whereas you, who are going through the wide gate, the way of partying and this and that and this and that, and not committing yourself to God, when issues come up in your life, how do you deal with them? All right, all hell breaks loose because you can't deal with it, all right? so it 's easy to be a Christian because God simply simply says to love me and follow my, my word is simply all He says to do you know and boy, and how easy that is you know if you were out there in in, in the wilderness and you were lost you know and you had this uh, this all knowing professional guide and tracker or whatever you call it, people who are familiar with the woods and things like that the the uh, local marshal that marsh, what they call it, the forest ranger or something, and he came along and he says, "Follow me out, you feel pretty pretty." Rel- Oh yeah, he knows the way I'm just going to follow him All I got to do is keep my eyes on him Well guess what, when it comes to the Lord All you got to do is keep your eyes on Jesus you know, it's so simple, it's so simple, okay, alright. So, 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 Jesus is saying here that that, that gate is narrow, okay, and it's difficult, alright. But it's really though, what that is saying is, what he's saying here is that that is the way that few people go, because it's so much easier to go through that wider gate of destruction, alright. It's so much easier to give in to your family, to your friends, and do what they're telling you to do, than for you to hunker down and say, no, I'm gonna go through the narrow gate. I'm only gonna do what God is telling me to do, regardless of what you're suggesting me to do. Amen, amen. We see in John six. Go to the book of John. John six. John six, verse thirty-four. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, let's go to go to thirty-two. Verse thirty-two. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, for the bread of God is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Please underline that I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, but I said unto you that you also have seen me, and you believe not. I uh, also seen, and you believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Please in the line, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will who has sent me, that of all that which he has, has given me, uh, that I should lose nothing, but should raise it up against Raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on me on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay? So that alone should give you some rest, knowing that uh, if you're in line and doing what Jesus wants you to do, then you're doing the will of the Father, and that because of that, you will have everlasting life, you know? And, and this plays into so much importance, I mean, especially when there is, uh, when there is a, uh, the passing of a loved one that's in your life you know you have the passion of a loved one you all know that we went through that and just knowing that uh, um, she was a child of God Right? She knew the Lord or knows the Lord. We know where she is and everything, and therefore there's everlasting life. If you know the Lord and you're doing God's will, then that means that you're going to have everlasting life also. So that means then that you're going to see the people that passed on before you, your loved ones, your family, your friends, and so on. You see, and that puts a whole new perspective on life because one of the reasons that it's so hard for us to do the will of God is because we are so tied down to this world. We feel that everything in this world is what's so important, you know? You know? Having the big house, having the boat, if you're into boats or whatever it is, the multiple cars or whatever it is, the traveling or whatever it is that you like in life, that that's the things that are so important to us, you know. But it really, really isn't. There's a much, much bigger, grander picture out there, and that's how you spend eternity. Amen? Amen? Now, if you're doing the will of the Father, as, God, as Jesus is saying here, then that you will have that everlasting life. And that certainly is something that I want, and I would imagine everyone in this sanctuary wants. So we need to make sure that we're doing God's will. And he says that that eternal life. Life and that he shall be raised up on the last day. All right. We also see some more evidence here. If you go to Ephesians, what I'm trying to do is, is to arm you with, with a lot of a lot of uh, information here, so that you can see the importance of doing of doing God's will. You know, you know and, and again, and it's so easy for us to get sidetracked. Ephesians one. It's so easy for us to get sidetracked, especially when the um, how can I say the, the needs of this life come up, especially when you want to accomplish certain things in this life, especially when you want to get to to step step C and you're at plan A and you want to get further down the line. It's so easy for us to get sidetracked and start and stop stop doing the will of the Father, but start doing our own will. You know, how many times have you sat when you You've got a particular issue going on in your life or a particular event coming up. Do you sit down and you start planning out how you're going to accomplish it? Okay, you sit down and you say, okay, how do I get? You sit down with a pencil and paper and maybe you start doing your pros and con columns and you start doing your, your, your little bar charts and everything and planning out your life and everything, which is fine, God wants us to be, to be practical and everything, but we can't do it absent God. Okay, you see, okay, that's the difference between the world and us. The things that we do, we can use some of the same tools that the world uses, but the difference is that we have God in the middle guiding our decisions, okay? You can't go filling out a little list that you have of pros and cons about taking a job, about moving, or doing anything else in life if you're not praying your way through it. Because the pros and cons that you put down from yourself will be a whole lot different, perhaps, if you put down what God would say to you. Amen, amen. So be careful about doing plans. All on your own You want to make sure that God You know Lord You know this is what I want to accomplish This is what I feel is your will This is where I would like to go Lord Talk to me Is this the right decision Should I do step A Plan A Or should I do plan B And let the Lord make the decision Because then you're doing his will If you do it all yourself Then like it's absent God You see And there are so many You know you take management courses And so forth like that And there are so many things that Like last week we talked about Talked about visualizing And using your imagination. Well, that's, you know, the, the, the secular world is filled with all sorts of, you can go and hear those, um, what do you call those, encouraging speakers, inspirational speakers. You can go and you can hear these inspirational speakers a lot of times, okay, and they will say a lot of things almost that sound like scripture, okay? But if you listen to that to that, that inspirational speaker with that wonderful golden rich voice, you know, where you can just sit there and almost be hypnotized by the words, male or female, hypnotized by the words, if they are talking about God, then you have to dismiss it in a heartbeat, alright, because that kind of imagination, visualization to bring things into your life, if it's absent God, it borders on being out and out demonic, amen, so we need to make sure that we're using tools and whatnot that are in line with the word of God and that they're Holy Spirit filled in guiding us, amen, uh, Ephesians 1 verse number 5, Having predestined or will go to four Okay I keep doing this I don't want to cut you short here According as he has chosen us In him Before the foundation of the world That we should be holy And without blame Before him in love Alright Lock into that According as he has chosen us In him Before the foundation of the world That we should be holy And without blame Before him in love If you sat down And simply thought about that enough That is enough to really Kind of make your mind go Wow You know Before I was a gleam in my parents' eye, God chose me, you see? God chose me, you see? And when I think about that, that further reinforces in me the understanding of the physical body that you see standing here before you behind this pulpit is not the real Michael. Amen? The real Michael is my spirit which pre-existed my physical body because if God knew me before the foundations of the world it could not my mom and dad were certainly not that old (laughs) amen amen so then it's your spirit okay Now I don't know at what time God creates spirits I mean that's one of the wonderful questions I have of many that I have of God and how he works it but there is no shortage of spirits with God and so therefore God does not have to recycle them by the way like in reincarnation alright so we don't we don't go down that road God does not it's not such a shortage of spirits that God's got to recycle and put them back in another body and all that nonsense. Amen. But it says here, that, yeah, according to as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So God chose you and knew you before the foundation of the world. He knew what it was that he, that he had in mind for you. Amen. Amen. And if you ever stop and think back, as look at, look at your lifetime, how you wound up where you are you will see that there had to be a guided hand there. Amen. When I stop and think back to my, my teenage years and growing up and where I lived, and as I went into the military and came out and where I lived, who I met and who I married, the resulting children, what's happening in their lives, you can see the hand of God playing it. Because if I had chosen to do anything else other than that, then most likely I would not be where I am or they are or those grandchildren are today. Would they even be in existence? Amen. So God has a plan for your life. God has a plan. He's had a plan from the foundations of time. You see, but we many times, we lock ourselves because we are driven by linear, lineal time. You know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That we sit down and we try to make so much rationale and so much sense. And we try to to manage it ourselves. Instead of knowing that there is a God who knew my life before the foundations of time and the earth. Alright. So that means that God has a plan. For me, He has a plan for you. He thought about you. He loved you from the foundations of time. Amen. So do you think God with that kind of love, being that he's God and not forgetful, nor does he change his mind, do you think that God is going to let that plan for your life go awry or go astray? Amen. So this is another reason why you have to sit back and say, well gee whiz, I don't know with any significance what's going to happen tomorrow. I know I have to go to work tomorrow, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know what's going to really happen tomorrow. Amen? Amen? But God does. But God does, you see? So if we're doing His will, then we're simply just, you just kind of relax and just kind of go with the flow. And let God just guide you. Like I said, that forest ranger who's going to lead you out of the wilderness where you're lost, you just follow him and you're just following God. Amen? Amen? That forest ranger is not going to let anything happen to you. He's going to lead you out. We will know that full well God, the creator of the universe, is going to lead you. Amen? Because just do his will. All you have to do is simply do his will. Amen? And and then he goes on to say in verse number 5, Having predestinated us, Unto the adoption of, uh, of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. His will, having predestinated us unto the adoption of His son. So once you become a child of God, you've been adopted into the family of God. All right. According to the good pleasure of his uh, of his will Um, to the praise of the glory of his grace through which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace in which he has abounded toward us all in us. Us in all wisdom and prudence Having made known unto us The mystery of his will According to his good pleasure Which he has purposed to himself You see now A mystery is something That is unknown Until at which time God chooses to reveal it to you Okay And this is kind of Where I was talking about before That we all should be desiring To move from milk drinkers If you will To becoming real meat eaters Of the word of God Amen It's time for us to want To not just feed on The milk of the word The easy stuff But Lord What are the real deep mysteries industries. Of you, okay? What, what are the mysteries of your will? Amen. A mystery again is something that is unknown until the time that it is revealed. All right. Um, Having made known unto us the, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, on the land, on the line we have obtained. "...and inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will." Underline, under the counsel, after the counsel of his own will. "...that we should be, be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise." Please in the line, after you have believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who, uh, who is the earnest or the assurance Who is the assurance of our inheritance Until the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of his glory Alright so know that in verse number, uh, number 11, uh, 13 rather, Where it says after you believe You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise After you gave yourself to the Lord And you believe you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior In your heart You were sealed with his Holy Spirit Okay, being sealed means that um, while, the, 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 to really kind of get kind of deep here, while devil, spirit of infirmity through sickness can impact your physical body, okay, and bring you colds and diseases and stuff like that. But then again, the countermeasure to that though, in the spirit realm, is by Jesus' stripes I am healed. You know, so you buying up that spirit of infirmity And in whatever else it is all right? okay? so, and, and your mind you know, Is susceptible to, to the whisperings of the devil To those demonic spirits Whispering lies into your head And telling you all sorts of other things all right? But your spirit, the true you Is sealed by Holy Spirit Which means that your spirit is, is hands off Is hands off Can't be touched Amen. Evil cannot be touched you know, A Christian, you've heard me say this before A Christian can be oppressed by evil They can be oppressed by evil, meaning that demons are giving them a hard time and stuff. But a Christian cannot be possessed. Okay, meaning that your spirit cannot be totally taken over and cast out and so on like that. Amen? Amen. Not for a Christian because it's sealed. That seal is the same thing, you know, you've heard of in magazines. What is the, 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 the good housekeeping seal, you know, and things like that. Or a Better Business Bureau seal. Meaning that that seal says by that, by that authority that this is a good product. This is hands off, it belongs to me, etc. So it's almost like having a patent. Well, when the devil looks at your spirit, your spirit is sealed. They see, see the spe- seal of the Holy Spirit. And, and they can't trespass there. Amen? It's untouchable. Amen? It's untouchable. So, so they, they cannot go there. You see? So after you believe, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest or the assurance of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Amen? So we know here that we're, we're sealed by Holy Spirit, which is another reason that we need to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. We go to 1 Thessalonians in winding down here. 1 Thessalonians, um, 5 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you. Uh, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Uh, be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them. Um, warn them That are unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, support the weak, be patient toward men. See see that non-render evil for evil unto any man, but ever following that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Underline that. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Okay? So in there, in verse number 17 there, pray without ceasing. How are you going to know the will, the will of God if you're not praying? Okay? And praying without ceasing means that, you know, well, God knows obviously you've got to go to work, you've got to do stuff around the house, whatever it is that you're doing in the, in the, in the course of a day. We do not have the luxury of simply going into a church or in our bedrooms 24-7 without eating and just simply praying. But what that means is that just don't set up such a, such a rigid time with God that I'm going to give God 20 minutes at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, at 1230 I'm going to give him another 20 minutes, 8 o'clock at night I'm going to give him another 20 minutes. Pray without ceasing means that throughout the day whenever you have the opportunity to pray, you know. And one of those things, I mean, I pray in the shower, you know, I pray in the car. I mean, there will just be something that may well up in my spirit that needs a prayer something that's happening at work or whatever it is that's going on in life you know life sometimes just needs a prayer you know, you know simply because you're alive and that means that you just pray without ceasing just always talking to God you, you, you know, you know I, 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 certain things I will go to Winco and I'm looking for something that I know is very hard to find I will literally say Lord please let them have so and so so and so <laughs> you do that too I will literally say Lord let me have so and so pulling into a crowded parking lot and whatnot oh lord please help me to find a parking space amen and all of these things work i kid you not these things work you simply say lord right i'm seeing nods here. So other people are doing the same thing you know you pray about a parking space pray about finding something in the store pray about getting getting a good deal on the internet something that you need to buy you know this is this is praying without ceasing It's bringing god into every single aspect of your life this is doing his will this is doing his will. You know, you know, we need to get to the point, if you're going to do God's will, you need to get to the point that, you know, if, if you were, you know, at home or something like that and there's something you're about to do and you may decide to go speak to your wife or to your husband and, and, and just say, you know, what do you think about so-and-so? You know, about to do so-and-so, what do you think about so-and-so? You know, or you call up, you call up a relative that's close to you or something, what do you think about so-and-so? Yeah. Well, how about instead of doing that, what about just calling up God? You know, you don't have to spend a phone call, you know, to say, Lord, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? This is praying without ceasing. It's not just having a set time to say your morning, noon, and evening prayers. It's just like throughout the day, whenever things, whenever life happens, just praying to God. Just praying to God. You you, you know, let me me be able to find favor in this. You know, I'm I'm praying for this job. Let me be able to get this job. Give me the words to say, Lord, when I go to talk to this person, whatever it might be. This is praying without ceasing. All right? And so God is is saying that. And, And it also says there in verse number 19, where I wasn't going to go right now, but quench not the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. Okay? Quench not the spirit. Don't do things that would turn off the Holy Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. You, you know, my mom used to always say, "Say that there's always that that appearance of evil." You know, don't even don't think so much about doing evil, but also think about also that appearance of evil. You know, you can be doing something that you think is not harmful, but why do do anything that's going to be making you look like you're appearing uh, to do evil? You know, you know, and, and quenching not the Holy Spirit. That's so important too, because um, Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You know, and if you turn away and start doing things that are displeasing to God and and you're continually sinning, you know, that's quenching the Spirit because eventually you won't be able to hear Him. You'll get so accustomed to doing whatever that thing is that you're doing when Holy Spirit is kind of trying to talk to you. You're not going to hear that quiet, still voice. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force Himself on you. Amen. Amen. God gave us all free choice. God laid out his will. He gives us, you know, all of these commandments and things and ordinances to do. But still, it's up to us to choose. All right? If you choose not to follow them, then, you know, it's kind of on you, as they say. In 1 Peter, we see some more. There's some more information here for us that's revealing. 1 Peter. um, 1 Peter, verse number 9. 1 Peter, verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching that or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, did qualify, did signify uh, when he testified beforehand. When he testified uh, beforehand, I'm sorry, I'm losing my place here. Testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, unto you with Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind Be sober and hope to the end for the grace That is to be brought unto you At the revelation of Jesus Christ As obedient children Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance But as he who has called you is holy So be you holy in all manner of life Because it is written Be ye holy for I am holy Okay So you see, here also, that we need to, to look at how we can maintain uh, being, being holy uh, and do it, because that is God's will. And go to 1 Peter 2, real quickly here, verse number 9, again. But ye are a chosen generation A royal priesthood, a holy nation A people of his own that you should Show forth the praises of him who has Called you out of darkness and into his Marvelous light, who in time past Were not a people but are now the people Of God, who had not obtained Mercy but now have obtained mercy Dearly beloved, I I beseech You as sojourners or strangers Or travelers and pilgrims Abstain from fleshly lusts which War against the soul, the mind Having your behavior honestly among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, so even though even though among the uh, um, or the the uh, evildoers they may speak badly against you, okay, by your good works they will see what you're doing, and God will be glorified. Verse thirteen: Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well well that is basically saying that we as Christians need to follow the law we're not supposed to be breaking the law you know if the light is red red light is red that means stop (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. It means you do what the Lord tells us to do. Uh, What the law tells us, man's law tells us to do. That is until it gets to the point in time that the law is telling you to do something against God. Then it's a whole different story. Okay, if the law, man's law starts telling you to do something against the word of God, then all bets are off. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. All right? So one of the things is the will of God is, is that we put away the ignorance of foolish men. Foolish men are those people that do not know the Lord and, and they're just spouting all sorts of craziness. Amen. When we stick to what the word of God is saying and we're living our lives accordingly, then that winds up putting them to silence because they have nothing that they can say against us or try to prove us wrong. Amen. Okay, the last, uh, last scripture here is um, Colossians 1. Thank you, Jesus. Your one. Gee, Liz. I will get there in one second here page is getting all ripped and stuck together here. Okay, Uh, Colossians 1, verse number 9. Okay. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Please underline all will and spiritual understanding. Okay? And underline also, filled with the knowledge of His will. will. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Alright? So that you might walk worthy of the Lord, all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God Okay, God's will is that we should increase in knowledge and I find interesting that it says back there in verse number 9 to go back for a second um, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding see he's talking about spiritual understanding there which talks about something which is a lot deeper you know understanding God's words and being able to quote scripture that's all well and good but it's understanding things spiritually that's the key here do we really are we understanding where God is coming from uh, as, as, as far as spiritual matters are concerned verse number 10 again that you might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness even though you're going through a challenging time to maintain your joy giving thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood even the forgiveness of sin. Alright? So we see here some scriptures to help us with make sure making sure that we're doing the will of God um, the will of God in our lives, and regardless of what difficulties or challenges we may have going on with our lives, to to make sure that we're we're sticking to His word, you know, uh, and just trusting God, and which is the most difficult thing to do. Sometimes we think that uh, It can be challenging I should put it that way Sometimes we think that uh, Because we're going through A difficult time Or because something is happening That God is not here Because you don't physically See God in your room you We kind of forget that God is certainly here And you not seeing him And still believing in him Is the ultimate proof Of your faith in him Proof of your faith in him You know Last week we talked a little bit About um, doubting Thomas You know Where he said Unless I see Jesus And put my hand in his my fingers in his wounds and so on like that then I won't believe and then Jesus showed up and let him touch him and what did Jesus say blessed is he who does not see and yet believes amen amen it's very easy for us to believe the things that we can, we can so easily see amen so doing the will of the Father Am I doing the will of the Father? Are you doing the will of the Father? That's the question. Think on it. Pray on it. You know, let Holy Spirit guide you if there needs to be any mid-course correction. Praise God. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.